Welcome to Comedians Talking Baseball, the podcast where I, comedian Joe Kilgallen, along with comedian Mike Bridenstine, talk about the week that was in Major League Baseball, nerd on some stats, and just have a good old time with you. We basically just want to get you to love the game of baseball as much as we do, and we're comedians, so we're going to be silly, don't take this shit too seriously, we're all about having fun. Now, this is the first episode of the 2019 Major League Baseball season, so I hope everyone is excited, I hope you're pumped up, I hope you, re- you do what I do, which is uh, every March... Around this time, I like to just watch a bunch of baseball movies. You know, get in the season of it. I treat it like Christmas. December, you watch Home Alone. March, you watch Bull Durham. You feel me, right? Now, this one's going to be a little bit different. Our guy, Mike Bridenstine, as you know, is in Los Angeles. And I say, as you know, as you guys, you know, if you're a new listener, you're knowing now. The returning guests, returning uh, friends of ours, fans. We try to give you guys a name. Um, I don't know if it's stuck, but we'll figure something out for you guys. We're calling you Fiptards for a little bit. That's inside. If you're new, you'll figure that one out. He records out of Los Angeles. I'm in Chicago, so we use the Anchor app. And luckily, Anchor has been improving as long as we've been with him. And the sound quality is getting better and better along the way, which is really cool. They're on Spotify now as well, so you'll be able to find the podcast on Spotify, which is great. But Mike has started his own podcast called Hunk, in which he interviews people about their favorite thing. He's got an episode with a couple guys about pro wrestling. He's got an episode with people about um, drinking. He's got you know all sorts of fun stuff. So you want to check out Hunk with Mike Bridenstine. Make sure you subscribe to that on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, he interviewed me just a couple days ago, and we did baseball naturally because Mike and I, you know, we have the best conversations about baseball. And he really he dug deep into my love of baseball, and we also previewed the 2019 season. So it just made it easy for me to be like, dude, let's just release this as episode one of Comedians Talking Baseball for the 2019 season. Makes sense, right? So I think you'll really enjoy that. And then starting next week, every Monday, we'll be out with a new episode. Uh, This year, we really want to start to do some more fun things. So maybe we'll have like weekly segments and everything like that. But uh, yeah, it's gonna. I'm pumped for this 2019 season. So we'll be talking, and I'll be honest with you, usually in April, we usually talk about things that are a little more evergreen, you know, we'll talk about like the Hall of Fame class or what's going to happen with the CBA coming up in a couple years. Is baseball going to go to a universal DH? Things of that nature, because I don't believe in freaking out too early on in April. I don't want, you know, Astros fans hitting us up going, what the hell? We're we're six and eight. This is bullshit. Who needs to get fired? Well, nobody does. You need to settle down. All right, relax. You won a World Series two years ago. There's no reason. To, I mean, it's hot down there, I suppose. And, and you're, you don't know how to handle it. Although it's not too bad in April, right? So uh, that's what you're going to hear on this one. And then every week you're going to hear what I just told you guys about, basically. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. That's at CTB Podcast One. CTB meaning Comedians Talking Baseball. The Instagram is much easier, just Comedians Talking Baseball. So check that out. You can check out my podcast, Kill Gallons Pub. That's where I just drink with people and we talk about pretty much everything you talk about in a bar. We recreate that sloppy conversation. And, you know, just uh, if, you guys, if you guys like it, tell your friends. We love doing it, so we're going to be here for you all season long, and we hope you're along for the ride. So without further ado, this is Hunk with Mike Bridenstine slash Comedians Talking Baseball with Kilgallen and Brido. Thank you for listening. All right, Joe Kilgallen is a comedian. He's a podcaster. He has at least one comedy album. He's got another on the way. We're, we are in a Cubs text messaging group where we talk about everything except for the Cubs. And I think out of all my friends in comedy, I think he knows the most about baseball. 
Uh, and uh, as of like now, it feels like he is the official stand-up comedian of the Chicago Cubs. Would you say that's an accurate introduction? I would. I loved everything you just said there. It's a big <laughs> honor because you know a lot of guys who know a lot about baseball. So being your friend with the most knowledge is a is an honor indeed. And I think being <laughs> the official comedian of the Chicago Cubs is uh, that you know who needs Netflix? You know, <laughs> that's you my. Had to, like before we get started, like can you talk about where you were yesterday or or no? Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, so just a little background for everybody. I, uh, I'll do my Cubs resume for you. I was in a Cubs commercial that aired uh, the second half of the baseball season last year, 2018 season with Ike Barinholtz, who's a movie star now and a very nice human being. He did a and, great uh, documentary about the Cubs, too, that I still have on my DVR from years ago. Yeah, no, he's legit. He's a real fan. He's not like some celebrities who are like, I'm from a city and now I have to pretend like I like the sports team from the city. No, he knows his stuff. He was cool as hell. And it was a fun commercial. It aired all the time, so that was fun. And then I did uh, Anthony Rizzo's charity event, which was great. Got to meet all of the World Series heroes, which was, you know, a dream come true for me because you and I got to watch some of those games together, and we were like a bunch of delirious 10-year-olds. That was fun. Yeah. That was a that lot was... of fun. There's a picture that my wife took when the Cubs win the pennant where I have my arms up and you and our good friend Brendan McGowan both have your hands over your mouth like in disbelief. It's a great photo. It was That is a fantastic photo. I should get that blown up. I think my hands, I thought about that because you were just like, yes, arms up. We did it. And, and Brendan <laughs> and I must have had like a, maybe our hands were to our mouths because we were going to burst out into tears or something. Or I, I think it's because I think it's because I'm only a quarter Irish and it, it was the more Irish in you boys that uh, you just couldn't believe something good was about to happen to you. Yeah. Just years of shoving emotion down <laughs> deep. It was going to come out of our mouth. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, in that commercial with Joe, just below your screen is uh, Joe's penis. Yes, that's true. I was <laughs> my part. I had one line. I'm the only other person who was a line besides like Baron Holtz. Uh, he's like running around Wrigley field saying, cause the Cubs, hashtag was everybody in which luckily they're keeping that as their hashtag for this season so fingers crossed they run that commercial again so i could get some residuals and um because i already got one thing of residuals which is weird because i didn't think i was going to get it because i thought it was just a limited run and you know all that stuff you get it you're in the commercial game you're a big star in the commercial game (laughs) i mean that's a big thing to be yeah so in the scene so in the scene i'm like at the trough for those of you who have never been to wrigley field you don't pee in urinals in the men's bathroom. You pee in what is basically a gigantic sink. And <laughs> some people don't like that because there's no real privacy. It's just a bunch of dicks out, which it very much is. But I've been to stadiums where they don't have that, and there's lines. So I'd rather not miss any action because that's how diehard I am as a fan. I'm walking to that bathroom with the dick already out because I'm saving time. <laughs> time saver. Yes, time saver. Sometimes I get some of my shoes. Sometimes I start going before I get to that big sink. Got and to. then uh, and you got to go. Well, Ike Barinholtz comes up to me and starts talking to me. And I kind of I have to remind him, I'm like, dude, we're in a bathroom. Let's let's keep it somewhat classy. Does it bother you when you pee at stadiums when there's cameras on you? No, no. You know what? I mean, I'm an alpha male, Brido. So yeah. it just doesn't. <laughs> He's OK. The reason I said that your, that your dick is like right because you're facing the camera peeing and it's like. I guess when I watch that, I'm just like, it's like a weird thing, but uh, he's taking a piss right here. 
<laughs> you know what's hilarious about that? And, and you know, living in Hollywood, the wonder of camera angles is that I had a lot of friends being like, so what did they have, like a built-in camera right there? How did they do <laughs> It's like, no, man. What they did was they backed us up by about three feet, put an imagine, put like a bar there and had a camera on this sliding thing that a human being was behind. We weren't actually up against the trough. They made you know, it look like we were up against the trough. I don't know why you're ruining the magic of Hollywood for everybody, Joe. I'm sorry. Well, you know what? Of everyone, I take it back. My dick was out. I was mid-screen. I'm just really of commercial acting. He was really peeing. It was method. And I, he was just at a game. He was just having a time at a game. And then yes. Ike Barinholtz comes up and touches him while he, he's peeing, which at real Wrigley Field would probably be frowned upon. But no, yeah, this was a real, this was just one. Look, the Cubs were on a nice stretch run there, so it was fine. But I still had to tell him to, you know, slow it down a little bit, Ike. <laughs> so when I listen to podcasts. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brido. I know it's your podcast, but I would feel i know you'd be mad at me i didn't get to what i was uh the last thing you know my big the big three cubs things i did in the 2018 year okay was yes. in the summer i got to do like the audience warm-up for ryan dempster's uh, show he's doing a show called off the mound conversations with mlb legends former pitcher which, for the former pitcher for the cubs and the rangers won a world series with the red sox in 2013 uh wonderful right. human being uh, came up with the marlins through no hitter for them he uh he's doing a new thing and he did it at this festival the last time he did it was about a couple weeks ago at this festival in arizona called like extra innings fest where he interviewed roger clemens and cole hamels and jim tomey anyhow so when i did it for me it was at the vic theater in chicago which is a real legendary spot and it was fantastic just to be on that stage was cool. I did warm up. I did told some jokes and then, uh, you know, the band came out and then they did the show. It's like late night talk show style, Letterman style, Col- Colbert style, whatever. And he had Ozzy Guillen on that one. He had Sean Casey, former Reds, uh, all-star, uh, Kerry Wood, who's one of your and I's favorite pitchers of all time. Yeah. And Anthony Rizzo. And, uh, everyone was cool as hell. I got, you know, I was hanging out, uh, backstage with all those guys, just hearing great stories. A lot of those I won't repeat out of uh, respect to them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, some really fun stuff. And then um, Ryan has been uh, doing some stand up around town, and we're both doing this charity show at Park West coming up. So last night we were just basically like bouncing ideas off each other for different uh, things. And he's gonna be doing that show off the mound again in Chicago in the summer, and then he's doing it in Boston as well. And uh, he's, he's doing big things with it. It's a great idea. It's really fun because you get to see a side of the players that you never saw before. Like like a lot of people might think Roger Clemens isn't a likable guy. But he showed me some clips of the interview, and I'm like, damn, this is – I wish I knew this Roger Clemens because he's coming off super cool right now and, and being honest and, you know, candid. And you're like, oh, man. So that's where – He's like, not – he's, he's not throwing uh, broken bat shards at Mike Piazza? No. You know, he was. I was, I was, I was joking with Dempster about it saying people forget, like, Roger Clemens before all that I think was considered a likable guy. I mean, he's in the movie Dumb and Dumber. Do people oh, right. forget? Yeah. Oh, no, he's not in Dumb and Dumber. I'm sorry. He's in Kingpin. Wait a second. There's Which one's rest... Roger Clemens in? There's a kick-his-ass sea bass. Is, is Clemens in that scene, or is he in a different Fairly Brothers? I think movie? he's in Kingpin, actually. I think I messed that up. Okay. Brett Favre is in Dumb and Dumber. Yes. No, no, Brett Favre's in something about Mary. Something – fuck! <laughs> They're We're all doped. the same. We're They're dope. all the same. And uh, and Ryan Dempster being a great human being uh, hooked me up with uh, a, a now um, it's hard to say out loud, isn't it? Now deceased friend of ours, Brody Stevens, uh-huh. the Cubs 
Brody was the official comedian for the Chicago Cubs. He uh, was good friends with Mike Borzillo, who's uh, the catching coach, and all the players loved him. And they made these really great shirts that say uh, Brody um, with the O being like the Cubs logo, 818, because Brody was 818 until he died. And, yeah. Uh, hashtag positive push. So, you know, b- big thanks to Dempster. And uh, to all your listeners, check out the Off the Mound on Instagram because he's sharing all the clips from the interviews. Like the one with Ozzy Gian's fantastic. That's awesome. But I, and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous and I'm mad at Ryan Dempster in 2005. There was an article about him in sports illustrated. It was in the very back of the magazine that said that he wanted to try stand up comedy. So I tracked down his contact information and I said that he should come do a set at uh, Chicago underground comedy or wherever he wanted. We would do a thing like I'm in comedy. Let's do it. And I never heard back. And then 10 years later, 14 years later, <laughs> now he's uh, having Joe Kilgallen write his material. And it could have been me, folks. It could have been me. <laughs> and I'm not mad. I just, you know, never, never got a response. Oh, uh, what well, might have been. I think he was really busy 10 years ago, though. 10 years ago, he would have been going into the 2009 season with the Cubs and yeah. Uh, yeah. coming off an all-star season in 08. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, well, you know, you know what though, real quick, I want to let people know though, I didn't write his material. He's, he's wrote all a bunch of good stuff. We we're just kind of like bouncing ideas off each other. He's the, the set he's going to do. I'm actually looking forward to and off air. I'll tell you a couple of the, the premises to jokes. Cause I think you'll really dig them. One involves right. Jim Leland. Let's just put it that way. I like Jim Leland. I like it. I, I want to hear a good Jim Leland story. That's it's a uh, great Jim Leland story. A, a chain smoking old style manager. Yes. I want to hear those stories. Uh, you know, yeah, he would I smoke mean, cigarettes in the dugout, everybody. That's how cool Jim Leland was. Just uh, don't go in one of the biggest magazines in the world saying that you want to do something. And then when someone says, hey, I can ha- do that, you know, that's just my thing. But maybe I'm just jealous of you. And, no, uh, I'm going to text him. No, this will, this will be settled. I'll text him. <laughs> and I just uh, maybe is a good time now to throw in that I've met Andre Dawson and you haven't. Okay. And, and I got a great Andre Dawson story for you, too. You do? Off, yeah, this, off, this uh, one I'll tell you. Can I, tell, I can tell you this one on air. Okay. This yeah, one I'm I sure. I'm I, sure absolutely, this I absolutely want to hear a Dawson story. So I was talking to him of, you know, random stuff. And Dawson. This is, oh, this is still Dempster. Okay. This is still Dempster. Yeah, we're hanging out with him last night. And uh, Dawson came up. I can't remember how, but he did. And uh, we talked. he talked about how Andre Dawson might be the most respected baseball player like ever, like, like pure respect. I mean, you know, he's Andre Dawson, we love him. He's a Hall of Famer. He's not the best baseball player ever, but most respected was the emphasis there. And he told about how Barry Bonds never would sign autographs. Right. And like with players though, like it, it's pretty common, I guess, for players to get each other to sign stuff for friends or, Hey, you know, my buddy's got a charity he's got coming up. You might sign it. And, and it's real common. Like people send stuff over, you know, visitors locker room will all of a sudden someone will come over from there going, hey, you know, the Cubs are playing the Reds. Hey, Vado wants, you know, Bryant Rizzo and Bias to sign this picture. And, and it's like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, they do it back and forth. It's common. So with Bonds, though, he wouldn't sign for anybody. Players from other teams, hey, man, signs. Went, None of them. Andre <laughs> Dawson sent over a bunch of balls saying, hey, will you sign this? And as Bonds was about to say no to the kid, the kid says, like some intern or whatever, the kid says, Oh, it's for Andre Dawson. And Bonds looked up going, oh, yeah, I'll sign that and signed them all. And it wasn't – no one was sure if it was out of respect or out of fear that Dawson would walk in there and <laughs> take out a fucking pen and sign this. <laughs> I love it. 
There yeah, right. One, there was one player on the Marlins, I want to say, who had a bad attitude. I can't remember who it was. Hanley Ramirez, I believe. Hanley fucking Ramirez. And he wouldn't talk to anybody, and they sent down Dawson and I want to say Tony Perez. Yes. Like, as these two, like, guys, like, hey, we got to talk about your attitude and <laughs> just shut the door and have everybody like, oh, oh, no. But, I mean, you know. Apparently, I remember that story, though. If I could just add to that story real quick. Apparently, Hanley Ramirez was about to open his mouth, and I think Dawson said, if I were you, I wouldn't open your mouth. I would just listen because I got a feeling anything you say is going to make me put you through that wall. This is well, a, like a Dawson 10 years after retirement, and he still struck fear in people. He plays in the celebrity softball game every All-Star weekend and, and always blasts one over and still looks like he could kill somebody. Not that when I like that guy, I don't think. Well, when I met him, he still looked like he hits the gym all the time. He looks bigger than he did like on the playing field when he had like a 20-inch waist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I, I was thinking about that. Maybe it's that we forget that 90s style was to wear really baggy suits and loose clothes and yeah. you know, I feel like guys, now you see those guys walking around the grandstands, these ex-ball players and they're wearing polos tucked into slacks and you're kind of like, "Oh, yeah, that's an athlete. Definitely. I get that." Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sosa wore baggy clothes, and he was, like, obviously, like, a monster person. Yeah, the 90s, uh, you couldn't really see that these guys were, like, super athletes. And maybe that was part of the reason we didn't know what was going on with uh, their training regimen. That is, that's a great point, too. Because you see them walking around, and you're just like, oh, it's just a dude. And then, you know, you see the, sh- the pictures of the shirt off or the spring training. Because in spring training, they'll wear the Under Armour. Once Under Armour became popular... That's when I think guys started getting busted. Early 2000s, late 90s. You're, you're <laughs> these dudes wearing these tight, form-fitting shirts, and you're like, that's not right. And you're going to put those veins there. What's going on here, pal? <laughs> right. So um, on every podcast I listen to, I like to know if the host and the guest, uh, which in this case, I know that we're double dipping here, but in this case, you're the guest. I, I want to know. I want to know if you remember meeting meeting you yes yes i do remember meeting you um i think the first real conversation we had though i, I met you like in passing the first time was at a pressure cafe pressure okay up in rogers park in the chicago in chicago and uh i was gonna say up in rogers park in the chicagoland area which makes no sense to say <laughs> it like that <laughs> like that was the first time i saw your stand up but the first time we talked was at a show i was like running a show when i was like three four months into comedy or something like that maybe five months called uh thunder comedy at brisco's bistro yes remember that no, on thursdays was, wait thursdays was yeah thunder yeah it was a total ripoff of the wcw uh thursday night thunder <laughs> i even think i copied the logo before someone said you might not want to do that and i just clip arted it basically that's how bad i was with making a poster <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and I remember you gave me great advice, advice that has stuck with me. And I still I've give I've passed it along to other people because you asked me, you said, um, where do you think you're further along with your writing or your performance? And I said, oh, I feel like my performance, I feel like I need to become a stronger writer. And you just looked at me like, no, other way around. He goes, your writing's fine. It's, you, you were just telling me focus more on the performance, let the writing come up. Like, like the writing is it's good. It's better than you think it is. And the performance will catch up. And you even said, 
next time you go to an open mic, if you get like four minutes, go up there with two minutes of material and just get comfortable in the other two minutes of silence or figuring out how to riff or crowd work or whatever. But you, you basically emphasize how much more important stage presence was and that the writing will catch up if it does lag behind. And I think that was great advice. And I see that with other people where they go up there and you're like, oh, they don't look comfortable. Now, that joke is fine. The joke's good. It would be even better if you didn't look like a nervous wreck up there. I sound like I feel like such an asshole for saying that to you. Really? I feel like it was sage wisdom. <laughs> uh, but I think that I had just done a show at the Lincoln Lodge and one comic uh, he is not going to look good in the story so I'm not going to say his name and the other comic is famous now and the guy who didn't have a good set and the guy who's famous now, if you were to hand me their jokes on a piece of paper and say which one had a better set, I would have easily pointed to the kid who had a bad set. The kid who's famous now fucking murdered. And that was all just because he is personally charismatic and just like a likable person and like unfazable on stage. And the other person was like a nervous wreck who never took the mic out of the stand and couldn't have because that was like his blankie. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, I know exactly what you're saying. And I think that I was obsessed with that after the fact because like if well, you you're right, at, though, yeah. Material is almost like the least important thing. It's the most important thing to us. Yes. But to the audience, like they don't give a shit as long as you are. Like, I don't know, as long as you're saying something in a way that makes them giggle, they don't give a shit if, like, how your joke went. No, they really don't. I I know we're supposed to be really getting into more baseball, but, I mean, with with comedy, I think every comedian, the writing is so important because we feel that shows off our intelligence. And I think every comedian, even the ones that are clearly, clearly genius level, is insecure about their own intelligence. Yeah, because why are you you doing this? Yeah. So it's like, look at this thing I wrote. I'm a great writer. I'm a writer. And everyone's always talking about being a writer. And even though we are writers, I think I laugh about that sometimes, though. I'm like, yeah, I write all my material. But am I a writer? Because I'm really just thinking of shit. You know, I like to think I'm, a, you know, I'm writing it on napkins and loose sleeve pieces of paper and and then going up there and reciting it. I mean, it is writing, but it's also I don't know. I just I feel like it's a little pretentious sometimes. Well, yeah, because like you can't, you don't go up there and hand out written forms of your joke. Do you know what no, I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're comedians. I'd rather be called a comedian, and I, I'd, I'll consider myself a writer if I sell a script or if I'm writing on a show, or if like you know. But I, I just want to be called a comedian, and I get well, people can be called whatever the hell they want. But it just it's weird that people will emphasize, oh, I'm a writer. I, I, I'm you know I take the yeah. writing so seriously, and the writing matters to me. And I just think I think the, the laughs matter to me, you know. Um, yeah, I, writing goes into that. It's all part of this greater equation. I just wanted to defend the piece of advice that I gave you, as oh, I, because I was like what four five years into comedy giving giving advice. That's to why people. you feel bad. That's why you feel bad <laughs> because you're thinking, how dare I? I was only I was only a few years ahead of you or whatever. How dare I give any advice? But the advice is right. I don't care if someone's six months in, if you still want a good piece of advice and it's true, as long as it's true, <laughs> but I know what you're saying because, you know, if someone was like only a couple of years ahead of me when I was starting back, but you were good too. 
I liked your stuff, so I, I that's why I listened to the advice. If you had just bombed at some open mic, I would have been like, who the fuck's this guy? <laughs> yes, and, and then the final thing I will say is that right around that time, I was moving to Los Angeles, and you and I were in a comedy contest in the suburbs for Dave Odd, and I believe that you had just started. Cameron Esposito had just started around that time. She went up and killed and I heard people in the audience being like, okay, that's going to be hard to beat. And then you went up and fucking like murdered. And I remember these two guys sitting next to me, like, cause I was sitting at a table before I went up, they looked at each other and I go, this shit is over. <laughs> oh, and, I was, nice. and then uh, I had to go up and they had already decided that it was between I mean, basically, the crowd was split between people who would like a Joe Kilgallen set versus people who would like a Cameron Esposito set, which, like, both are very good. You know what I mean? And at that point, first year into comedy, way better than they should have been. But I had no chance. And then I moved to L.A. to compete against people who weren't just a year into comedy. (laughs) So that was fun. All right. Uh, How did you get into baseball? Uh, My dad. Which is funny because it's not his favorite sport. He likes it, but it's not his favorite sport. Um, I I think uh, I got into it. I was, I remember 19, like the end of the 87 season, which is weird because I would have just turned three at the end of the 87 season. But I remember, because it was Andre Dawson won MVP, and I remember hearing the name Andre Dawson. Yeah. And then I remember the day my dad, my dad came home from somewhere. Remember we're like in our little Northwest side apartment in Chicago. And handed me a pack of baseball cards. He like opened it for me and told me what they were. And, you know, this is this and that is that. And, and I, I lived on a really cool block in Chicago where there was a, a lot of kids. There's like three or four guys all like my age and two of them I'm actually still really close with. So that's always nice. But we, we traded baseball cards. Everything we did was baseball related. We became obsessed yeah. with baseball as kids. And on my fifth birthday, my dad um, took me to Wrigley Field for the first time. Took me to a Cubs game. It was Cubs Phillies on my fifth birthday and i remember we had like upper deck seats but that was when i discovered i was afraid of heights so <laughs> as we were going up the ramp toward the you know upper deck i'm just a kid i'm just following them i looked out like the you know it was open so you could see outside and i saw that we were higher than the mcdonald's arch yeah and that freaked me out and i was like no 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 and i was like started going the other way and he's like well where are you going you know he tried to grab me and i was like pulling on his arm going i'm not going any higher i'm not going any higher and then we like ended up, you know, it was, it was 19, actually 1989. So the Cubs were actually good. They were like about yeah. to win the division. And uh, I think we basically stood in standing room only, even though we paid for upper deck tickets. Because you didn't want to go anywhere. I couldn't. I think we ended up snagging seats like in the back row, like once, you know, somewhere in the 200 level. I couldn't go higher than the 200 level. I was afraid of heights. No wonder, no wonder you haven't seen Free Solo. You are going to fucking hate that movie. You know, I probably will. I don't like that. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned it. And then on my on my podcast, Brad has referred to this clip where uh, that my guest was like, you heard of Free Solo? And I'm like, guy just climbed shit, right? I, I basically took an inspiring movie and broke it down to, oh, the guy's just a climber? He likes to go up rocks? Okay, yo, check it out. Like a complete moron. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I probably, I don't know if I'd like it. I'm, I'm a lot better with heights now. I could sit in the upper deck now. I could go to the top of the Sears Tower. But if I'm... Like on the fifth floor of a roof, I won't go to the edge and look down. Okay. Yeah. I need to be, I need to feel secure in the structure, if that makes sense. 
so like roller coasters, I don't do because I don't feel secure. Dang. Yeah, I'm frightened by roller coasters. Frightened. So did you you played baseball? Yes, I did. I got into T-ball when I was like seven. And get this, Brido. They gave me a participation trophy. Whoa. Yeah, in 1992. That's before that. Yeah, way before what people are talking about now. And get this. Didn't really stifle my competitive drive. I'm still kind of a psycho. (laughs) Yeah, I mean – you are so that theory's uh, bullshit. <laughs> you are a lefty son of a bitch, and you got to participate. I think that I think that's what happened. Yeah. So, like, were you good at? When did you get good at baseball? Um, I actually hit a home run my first t-ball game, and was promised ice cream that I never got, and uh, I held. <laughs> I was very upset about that because um, I think I remember my my parents were divorced. I remember them like fighting with each other at the game, like on the walk back to the park because I look a block and a half from the park. Uh, I got good. Um, I got good when I was like 11, 10 or 11, because I remember that my first year of no T, you know, the first year of actual fast pitch. Yeah, I, did, I wasn't good. I was a good fielder, though. I, I was I was a really I played third base. I remember making like diving stops and stuff. I like getting dirty. I loved it. Yeah, but I couldn't hit for sh- I couldn't hit for shit. And then it's hard. Right around, yeah, right around 10 or 11. I just I think I hit a little bit of a gro- I hit a growth spurt. Yeah, I was actually the really tall kid. And I started, I started hitting bombs. And um, when I was 12 years old, my team, I was, I was on the Cubs. We won our, you know, we won our division or whatever. I, we won the championship and, you know, for our park district team. And I remember, I'm not kidding when I say this, I batted like 842. <laughs> it's... I, I'm, I'm really not kidding. My coach kept stats. I had like nine home runs. Yeah, I was a freak. That's and for I people can't... that don't know, for people that don't know, and we'll get to this stuff. 84% of the time he went to the plate, he got a hit. And, and yeah. 30% is good. It's I was really, like 42 is, for 50 with like 25 walks. Yeah, like a 20-game season. Yeah, I had a good eye too. No one's and pitching, no one's pitching to you. Out, no, yeah, I struck out this kid, Eric Showy, to win the championship. In game two, we swept him. It was the best of three for our championship. He was on best the Tigers. Nice. Yeah, it was a low fastball. To be honest, he had right to complain. The, the umpire rung him up strike three, and he, and he like yelled at the umpires, and that pitch was low. I threw my glove up in there, and everyone was celebrating. But if I'm being honest, that pitch was low. It was a ball. <laughs> so how long I did you man? So I got the I got the call. You played through high school. You know, I had. Um... Are you there? Are you there? Yeah, you're still there. Sorry, man. Yeah, yeah. Um. My phone had a thing. Sorry about that. My high school career was cut short due to uh, what some would call um, uh, being uncoachable, I was told, and um, <laughs> being a little bit of a troublemaker. Uh, yeah, I played in high school a little bit, but I didn't play. I didn't end up playing uh, my senior year because uh, I, didn't, I didn't get along with the coach and stuff like that, and I had a whole thing. And um, Yeah, so I, I played um, – <laughs> I played like uh, these summer league ball though. Like, you know, like what would have been, wasn't, it's not like AAU cause they don't really have that for baseball. I mean, they kind of do, it was traveling, but it was more like just Northern North, North side of Chicago and, and suburbs of Chicago. Well, the city and the suburbs. And then I played, um, and, and just to stay fresh, I, when I was living in LA by you, I was playing the last few uh, summers. We, we had this fast pitch league going where we played every Sunday and it was awesome. And you pitch for that too? I did, and I shouldn't have because I still have arm problems from it. 
oh my god, I was playing catch with my nephew like a few summers ago, and I felt something. I was just like, yeah, this is not for people my age. Yeah, I started to try to drop down sidearm because my shoulder would hurt so bad. I just loved it though. I loved it so much. I remember going, I don't care about the pain. This is it's it's weirdly worth it. I mean, Justin Verlander's thirty six. He's got a when people are when I'm seeing his projections, I'm like, now nah, that's about when it starts to fucking suck. You think so, yeah. Well the but Cubs again, two guys are going into that age, so we're hoping now with Lester and Hamels. Yeah. I'm I'm also uh ne- have never been any of them in their prime, but I'm just saying. That's true. I, I sucked They're at throwing things. <laughs> I, I sucked at throwing things at 36, so therefore they will as well. Yeah, that's, um, that's how it works, right? Whatever age you are, that's when the best athletes <laughs> on the planet also start to suck. That's yeah. How that works. Yes. Totally. Um, is it your is baseball your favorite sport? Yeah, it is my favorite sport. Um, I think also what brought my love to it, which I think you kind of have, is it's just the information and the history is endless. History yeah. is also my favorite subject, so naturally I think baseball makes i think i i I would want i would wager good money that most people whose favorite subject is history their favorite sport is also baseball oh that would be there's a correlation i i I bet there's a correlation right uh because there's just so much of it out there i remember you know just all the every baseball movie i was into i love the movie um i even like the movie uh with john goodman as the babe the babe yeah i love that movie until i get older and realize oh this isn't that good um i was like <laughs> nine when it came out so i'm like this is great and uh yeah i was upset the, i mentioned the baseball cards earlier i was meticulous with them i had them in order i would go by order by team you know mm-hmm. i'd try to have them order by year i would study every stat on the back of them you know like uh, the fun trivia i just i just was obsessed with baseball that is interesting my dad is was a history teacher and baseball is his favorite sport. Baseball has, you know, the Black Sox scandal. It has like different waves of things that happen that correlate with like the Roaring Twenties and stuff. Like, yeah, absolutely. There's there's the civil rights. There's Jackie Robinson. Like, yeah, the, yeah, the color barrier and everything like that. And yeah, I think let, let me add to that, Brido. Um, pretty sure I don't hear football or basketball. Or hockey mentioned in Billy Joel's "We Didn't Start the Fire." <laughs> yeah, <Right? laughs> yeah. I mean, not once. Yeah, not, I, I, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe football gets a rec- uh, mention, but I hear Mickey Mantle and then Kerouac. I don't hear Dick Butkus and um, you know Robert <laughs> Frost. Right? Yeah, California baseball is also in there. Hell yeah, it is. Starkweather Homicide, Children of the Litamide, and. That's at least two baseball. Yeah, Hemingway's talking about DiMaggio. Like, I think that uh, if my grandfather thought that like basketball was cool, then I might have. But like, those guys liked boxing and horse racing and men's things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why horse racing is. It's like I don't know why any of these are men's gambling. Things. Just but gambling. If it, but if old men think something is cool, then it's probably. Uh, well, at this point, that's very questionable. But you know, I, yeah. I always looked up to them. But um, when when people, I feel like now people like baseball's not a lot of people younger than me's favorite sport. And <sighs> I I want to like part of me wants to know like what is the fucking disconnect? Is it because in the late eighties and early nineties? baseball cards were fucking massive 
And so we could look at the players, flip the card over and be like, what does HR, RBI, AFG mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what do you think would help? What do I think would help? How would I fix the game? I really think a lot of it's about access right now. Um, Like when we were kids, baseball was just, I think the, I mean, you know, growing up Cubs fans and in the Midwest, we had WGN. So that was nice, you know, of course, but in the South people had the superstation with the Braves. Yeah. It's uh, you know, they this week in baseball was on. Yes. I've talked, I've talked to people around the country who are like, Oh, I was into baseball because this week in baseball and there was a Saturday afternoon game. And, you know, we had local this and you're right. Baseball cards were big. And, uh, I think baseball still has, they're doing the same marketing they did essentially. I mean, obviously they've stepped up on social media lately. You and I were both huge fans of that commercial where Ken Griffey Jr. is the narrator. Yes. And it's showing, it's showing bat flips and Javi Baez doing his sick plays and Francisco Lindor and Puig. And it shows some swagger. You know what I mean? It shows yeah. guys pumping their fist after a strikeout. And, you know, and you see, yeah, you see guys having fun. You know, Bryce Harper doing his hair flip and, you know, cool stuff like that. And, and then, you know, at the end, it says it shows Ken Griffey Jr. with his hat backwards, which is his signature. You know, he was the kid and just saying, enough talk let the kids play and we were all of us on our text web were like hell yes finally are, are they getting it finally because in other sports like the nba did such a good job of letting fans like on youtube for a while i don't think baseball's doing as much but for a while if you put a video of major league baseball on property on your yeah. youtube they would flag yeah. it and, and you'd and lose the content because they wanted all that control they right. they do a terrible job promoting their own players um, because baseball right now, I know it's longer. That's why I think networks started to go away from it a little bit as far as like, you know, your local network or whatever the affiliate is. So you say you live in like, you know, Kansas city or somewhere they thought, all right, well, this is like four hours worth where we could break it up into this and this, and then sell more cat, you know, some more advertise, you know, you know, it's money related. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think right now, if I, if me and you were in charge, we would kill it. I think we would turn it around in four or five years. I mean, baseball's still making money. But the average fan is older. The, if you're 59, that's where baseball is dumb. They're worried about losing 60-year-olds. If you're 60 and you like baseball, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. I, I really believe you're still going to watch it. You're still going to love it. Even if there's a little tweak, you're going to be like, well, this sucks. I liked it better before. The DH have never came to the NL. Then you'll get over it after a week. Old people like bitching about stuff. So to give them more to bitch about would only help their viewership. Right. As long as I there's mean, not I'm a, there's, a as, as long as there's not a strike that lost that lost a lot of people. But the strike would be bad. By I don't think it's going to happen. I know some people are mad about it, but when you think about it, Manny Machado got the money he was worth. He was worth ten years, three hundred million dollars by most projections, and he got it. Harper got the you know three forty. I mean, I think three years ago everyone was like, oh, they're going to get four hundred million, but I think the market kind of corrected itself a little bit. Normally, I'm always pro player with all this stuff. I'm always on the player's side. Yeah, but. If you look at the history of major contracts, it's not good. No, it's not. So I don't, I think these teams were like, well, that Pujols deal was terrible. That Josh Hamilton deal was terrible. That Alfonso Soriano deal was mostly terrible. Like they're looking at all these, look at the Jacoby Ellsbury deal. That was brutal. Look at that. You know, so, and all these teams were like, well, this is stupid. We're not going to do that anymore. And at the same time, scouting got better. Yeah. Because more, more draft picks are hitting at a higher rate than they had in previous decades. So they're like, oh, we have more confidence to project that this guy we took in the third round is going to be a, a 20 homer guy and, and he could play a couple positions and he could get on base at about a 380 clip. Like, so why would we pay for this guy's aging career for seven years when we could get this guy 
for his first seven years cheap. I think if anything, they're going to change how the first seven years of a player's control is, you know, the whole, let's keep a guy down for two weeks so they can get an extra year of control. I think if anything, they're going to change that where it's maybe five years of control up top, but a higher base rate. And then hockey does a thing where you're a restricted free agent or an unrestricted. So basically meaning, I think the first five years, the players would get paid higher, but then the team will have exclusive negotiating rights for the couple of years after that. And then at a certain, maybe at 28, you become a, unrestricted free agent that's what i'm guessing but i mean craig kimball's got a great case but you really can't say players you can't people can't really say players aren't getting paid when someone you know when mike trout just signed for 430 million dollars and, and believe me he deserves every penny of it it drove me fucking crazy when i saw a clip of usa or uh good morning america i want to say they're like he may not be a household name but mike trout is the Highest paid athlete in sports. And I was just like, there's something insanely wrong that if Mike Trout is not a household name. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to quote what uh, in um, this podcast, I think I sent you the link to A-Rod and that guy Barstool Big Cat. Um, well, I met once or twice. Nice guy. I know some people might not be into the whole Barstool thing, but as a person, that dude's really cool. They interviewed uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's like this uh, – entrepreneur media guy who could be a little over the top as well. I think he's one of those dudes where after the third or fourth time you watch him, you're like, okay, I like him now, but he made great points. He was like, how do you not know how to promote that guy? He was Mike Trot. I would want Mike Trot's the type of guy. I'd want my daughter to marry and forget about being a rich baseball player. I'm talking about as a human being, you can't produce someone who's that great a human being and also happens to be one of the best baseball players of all time. You are fucking up. And I agree with him 100%. He talked about Javi Bias being one of the most charismatic people in sports. They just don't know how to promote their stars because they still have this, like, old mentality. Yeah. I would be, you know, content is king right now. Reach out to young player, people. If I'm, if I'm, like, 17 and I don't really know baseball, but it's like, oh, shit, like, it's summer. You know what I mean? I could go to the ballpark and, you know, have some beers and, oh, there's cute girls in the bleachers there. And, oh, look at that dude. No look tags. That's pretty badass. Bat flips. Because I don't care who you are. The home run is still the coolest thing in sports. And now we're and now <laughs> and now pitchers are accepting the bat flips because they're getting over the old rules. I say it goes both ways, you know. Back then they were like, don't pimp a home run and I won't pimp a strikeout. Let's pimp them both now. Right. Pimp the strikeout. If you if you make someone look stupid on a nasty slider, give them a little blow them a little kiss. Why not? It's fun. A lot of baseball is antithetical to how things are marketed in twenty nineteen. Yeah. It's just they're still doing the old model. People want personalities, and baseball is like, never be a personality. I know. You play for the name on the front of the jersey, not the back of the jersey. Well, you're, you're I get the team playing. aspect. I get that. But it's also like, uh, that name on the back of my jersey is going to follow me forever. You guys can trade me tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to build my brand over here a little bit. So, when you, you have a son, how old is your son? He just, he just turned two about a month ago, and I could hear him upstairs. He should be napping still, and he's up, and that makes me a little upset, but it's all good. <laughs> so My when you – she's home? She's Friday? Yeah, she's home. She's taking care okay. of him, yeah. I didn't want the oh. listeners thinking, is this kid running around upstairs by himself? <laughs> I was going to say, like, I, Joe is a good father. Okay. Yes. When you, when you start taking him to games and start talking to him about baseball, and first of all, what a fucking lucky kid to be able to grow up in Chicago and start going to Wrigley Field. Like, anyway, what type of things are you going to try to instill in him about about the game? 
uh, from a fan's point of view, basically from a fan's just point of view. Yeah, I, uh, when I take him to the game, I want him to wait until he's five. I think five. Maybe I'm going to keep that as a tradition that my dad started. I've had a lot of friends go, "Oh, have you taken him to a game yet?" Like during last season, I'm like, "The kid's one. Why would I take him to a game? He's never going to remember it." It's for I the wa- picture. It's for a picture of you and a baby. At exactly, and I don't believe in that. I don't need to do that. The kid's cute enough. I don't need the picture of a Wrigley Field. Going, <laughs> look at me. I'm a moron who risked my son's safety for an Instagram like. You know. <laughs> Because yeah. it is a it is a risk. You have a one year old walking around forty thousand people. That's that's dangerous. It's dumb, and he'll never remember it. So if right. I'm gonna cool, if I'm gonna score good dad points, I want him to have that memory. Like I remember the rest of my life, my first time at Wrigley. If my dad were taking me when I was two, I, not, I would not have remembered it. So any parents listening out there, don't make that mistake. Uh, basically, I'm a teacher. Can I be a good fan? You know. Can I tell you something? I was five. I was five years old. See, it's a good age. Do you remember it? Absolutely. The Cubs played the, the Padres and uh, Sandberg hit a home run and Garvey hit a home run and they and they booed. And I asked why. And my dad said last year, the Padres beat the Cubs in the playoffs. See, you learn something like and that's another thing that's beautiful about baseball. I don't know why they're not pitching that aspect. Uh, Gordon Will, is that his name? George. George Will. You know, yeah. You know, kind of famed conservative commentator and author. I disagree with him on a lot of things, but he said one of my favorite things about baseball in the Ken Burns documentary in which he says one of the beautiful things about baseball is that it allows for conversation. Yep. Now, my second favorite sport to watch live is hockey. Does not mm-hmm. allow for conversation. That is a rigid score. There is that is a culture that you have to kind of know before you go there. Yeah, and I know hockey. I know how to watch. I'm a big fan of it. I know everything that's happening. But as a sport, it's intense. And it's following the puck around because you don't know when they're going to score. Baseball, the moment is set up for you. It's savored. Think about that. 0-2 pitch or it was, you know, 0-1 count. So Mike Montgomery, he's going to throw another curveball to Mike Martinez, a little chopper over to third. This could be it. The fight, like, you know, Brian throws across. His foot slips. Oh, no, Rizzo got it. The Cubs, like the moment is set up for you. Like bases loaded, two outs. Yeah, David Bodie up to bat. Cubs down three nothing. Sunday night baseball like that is exciting. You get to like, I say this about baseball. It might not have the fast paced action of football, basketball, hockey, but it has the most what I call sack tightening moments. Sorry, female listeners. Uh, that basically is a guy when you're really like, oh my god, at the edge of your seat, or and you're like, oh, holy shit, I thought I thought that pitch was a home run. I thought for sure that that ball was gone it went foul thank god because we would have lost right there you know what i mean yeah in that your your nutsack tightens up a little bit on those moments right <laughs> like, oh oh dear god so i call them sack tightening moments and baseball has that like the suspense you know how many people like, i talked to after game seven when the cubs won the world series where they're like i feel like i lost year of my life that night you know yeah just going back and forth fighting demons in my head going please 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 oh no 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 like just so baseball has that and what i would throw to my son is, you know, I'd be able to have the conversation with them each play going, okay, this is this, this is that. Here's why it's important to check the runner here. <laughs> I remember I took my wife to her first Cubs game. Sorry, I'm rambling here just because I love talking about baseball. No, it's great. It's great. I, I took my wife to her, my first Cubs game. And, you know, I'm, I didn't realize this about myself, but the way hipsters are with, like, indie music, <laughs> I am with baseball. I'm a snob. I had no – looking back, I was like, oh, my God, I'm such a dick. I'm surprised she kept dating me because we were only maybe, like, four or five months into dating. And uh, we were, you know, high school. And uh, she asked out loud, what is a Bach? And I was like, I kind of was almost dickish. I'm like, are you serious right now? You don't know what a Bach is? Like, I, you know, and I, I think I was more like, Shh, don't say that out loud. I don't want people around me thinking that 
my girl here's a moron. Like, <laughs> and it's funny because I've talked to regular people, even people who know baseball, who are like, yeah. well, a box, dude, she's never been to a game before. A box, not like that's something that needs to be explained. And then I was like, ah, shit, you guys are right. I totally overreacted on that one, didn't I? Damn it. Like, you know. I think it's, it's like funny because what's a home run, you know, you told me you've told me that story before. She is a saint for putting up with you oh, uh, yeah, she is in a that saint. situation. If Victoria asked me what a Bach was like, it, well, let me just flip it around. If she was like, yes, of course, I know what a Bach was like. I think that my fucking mind would be blown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. We were... dumb I am. A Bach is a tough one. We were at a game, I think one of our first games that we went to, if not the first game that we went to, and she was like, we were at Dodger Stadium, and my wife, Victoria, for the people that don't know, and she's like, baseball is kind of boring, and I was like, no, 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 no. So I started explaining everything that was happening. I think that someone just needs to explain what's going on to people sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Because They do. a baseball park in the summer is one of life's greatest joys. Yeah. You never regret going. You ne- There will be no chance in your life unless it's freezing fucking cold, which it won't be most of the year, that you're most of the season, or it gets rained out or something. But you are going to sit there at a beautiful park, have a beer if you feel like it. You know, like you're going to – it's very nice to be there. It is. There is an atmosphere about it. There is some sort of like, especially a night game where, you know, it's a warm summer night, but you could wear like, I like it where it's a summer night where you could wear like, you know, jeans and a t-shirt. That's like my favorite weather. Cause I don't have the, I don't have the legs for shorts year round, you know? And uh, <laughs> yeah, I love those kind of nights. And there's, you know, you got, there's just, there's smells, there's the, the grills going and hot dog and, you know, spitting peanut shells and you're like the beer, like you're saying, and yeah, there's something about taking it all in. And I, and I think that's the part of the marketing that they, they shortchange. What I would do is I would show like a guy like a Chris Bryant, because you know, he's, a, he's a handsome man, stepping mm-hmm. into the batter's box. He's about to dig it in. The pitchers give him a hard look. He gives a hard look back. They kind of like, and then they cut to like the crowd, right? You see like a dad pointing to his son. You see a couple dudes in the early 20s grabbing beers and handing them over to hot women, right? You got to do that. You, you, know, you got to have pretty people in commercials. Um, you got your Mike Bryanstein going, beer here. You know, you're the beer vendor. I'm casting you. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got Joe at a urinal with Ike Barinholtz. For sure, right? And then you kind of set it up where they know, like, you know, maybe there's a guy taking a lead off. He's about to go. You see the pitch, like, you know, it's, you know show, like, the situation, but also show the situation around the situation. Why that? Why that's a moment to dig in as a fan. What like show that? Like I feel like that needs to be sold more. They don't do a good job with that. I know that there's probably some female listeners being like, "Oh, so you like you're just saying that it needs to be mansplained to me." And I'm just saying, no. If you know about baseball and you're like a lady, if you're a mom, if you're like a a wife or a girlfriend, and you know about it and you feel like explaining it. People don't know this stuff. So once yeah. you know it, it will enhance your life in a very good way. Yeah, it's not mansplaining. We always said part of the, our goal with uh, the Communities Talking Baseball podcast is that we want to get people to love baseball as much as we love baseball, right. and, which is a great mission statement created by you. And I think that it needs, that's not mansplaining. It's explaining to it's America's planning. Cause I think this country needs to get back on track with what a great sport they have right in front of them. Because I just think it's, it's such a good summer thing. And I feel like 
baseball did not follow up with the idea that uh, I, I read here's something interesting just to bring it back to comedy real quick comedy specials Netflix started doing 15 minutes because the big specials people were watching 20 minutes and turning them off because this, those specials aren't very good they're just a famous. lot a lot of them aren't very good you're right a lot of them really aren't very good but they're they're tracking numbers on stuff that the idea I think the comedy special being one hour might slowly start to change away unless you're like a Chappelle who could probably do a three hour one and people would be like this is amazing and it probably would be but uh the people's attention spans for stuff are just kind of like I'm not saying people are getting stupider. There's just so many options. Is I that really my... why they did 15 minutes? Well, I think they ripped off this guy, Andrew Schultz, who's a New York comic, who put his out in a 15-minute chunk. And his went kind of viral because it seemed like the right amount of digestible. Like, he made his uh, comedy, like, digestible. He recorded, like, an hour, but then put one out as 15 and then put the rest out in clips. And I saw him in an interview on someone's podcast recently. Um, and he talked about, like, it's just – people go on YouTube wormholes. He's like, Netflix can't get people to watch more than 20 minutes. But my YouTube guy hit me up saying he's got a YouTube guy. So he's doing well. Um, said, <laughs> said that uh, people will watch one clip and then they'll watch for two hours. And I realized I do that with baseball highlights. I started watching like each highlights because each just retired. Yeah. Like just, I'd love a good highlight. It's as a comedian. Aren't you jealous that there's never going to be like us to cool music doing clip was it gonna show us putting the mic back in the stand and then like you know waving as we walk off the stage there's not like any like cool like thing like that for us as comics uh, but sp- i love watching sports clips like a cool rap song being played as they're doing like badass things you know because each row had an arm so there's like there was one footage of him like they timed the music out perfectly like it was real like slow going and then as he's firing the ball from right field to third base on a fly and the guy gets tagged out and the guy i can't remember who was that got gunned at third but they looked up and even pointed at him like someone from the other team even pointed at each were going through that respect that was amazing and like the music hit like jumped up an octave right at that moment and i'm just thinking like that's that's stuff that major league baseball look yeah you're you're a little bit longer of a sport there's a lot of inaction while it's going on uh but you also could just master the highlight like you know what i mean get people yeah. your whole thing needs to be getting people out to the ballpark that's all you really care about. Um, I mean, the television ratings will be there if that's happening. Because your big, the thing that you have that the other sports don't have is summer. You own the summer. You're not competing with the NFL. You're not competing with the NFL and the NBA. You have the best time of the year all over the country, and you're not using that. That's insane to me. Like, uh, like that guy, Andrew Schultz, who I talked about putting his thing out that Netflix then ripped off later. I'm guessing based on the timeline in which he did his thing and they did theirs. His whole thing was I put it out for free on YouTube because I don't really give a shit about making money on it. I give a fuck about people seeing it. And that turned into sales. He's like, he sells out like 500 seat theaters now and stuff like that, which he goes, that was my whole goal. I just wanted my own audience. And I think baseball needs to kind of look at it in that same style where it's like, we just want people to come to the ballpark. You need to show the ballpark, show how much fun that is to be there and how it's unlike anything else um, as far as entertainment goes. Yeah, I I think WGN did a good job with that. They made Wrigley Field look like the best place in the world to be. Arnie Harris, who was the Arnie director Harris. of Cubs baseball, was yeah. a genius with that. The only yeah. thing he would get in trouble with now oh, would be chicks. some would be some of the gratuitous <laughs> boob shots. But yeah. he would just he could just balance it with men. You know what I mean? Like you could do it yeah. both ways. Like you could it's you know, Wrigley Field's not far from Boys Town. They have two gay guys shirtless at the bleachers, which I've sat next to before. Fun fun people to be around. And like, you know, you just balance that out a little bit. He wasn't, but he was amazing. He always made you want to be at Wrigley field. 
And I, it sucks because I feel like if that guy was alive, maybe someone would have been like, oh, we got to promote this guy to like make him the director of the MLB game of the week or the Fox game of the week because he really knows how to, to capture it well. Yeah, Arnie Harris always showed gratuitous babe shots. Always. <laughs> but it made it look like the best place in the world also because, I mean, it's Wrigley Field. Do you have uh... – other stadiums that you've been to that you can speak to that you love going to? I started to love going to Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium I started to have some fun with. I still hate how the chairs are colored that puke yellow, but um, yeah, yeah, it's a little weird. But I started to really dig Dodger Stadium. Um, I went to Yankee, the new Yankee Stadium. Unfortunately, never made it to the last one. I like that one. Miller Park, um, much as Brewer fans starting to get a little too uh, chirpy for my liking these days. I do like their stadium a lot. That's a fun one. Um, AT&T ballpark where San Francisco plays. I went twice. And the first time I didn't love it because it took like an hour and a half just to get into the stadium because of how long the security lines were and everything. But that was the first year MLB was doing that whole thing where, you know, for safety. So I can't really get too mad at them. But as far as the aesthetic goes, it's really nice. Although don't sit in their left field corner because it's terrible views. Um, they have that part of the stadium that kind of screwed up. I think that's where Wrigley's great. Unless you're behind a pillar, you got a great sight line no matter where you where you are. <laughs> and they're probably going to fix that. Yeah, eventually. I think they started putting like flat screen TVs in front of the people at the pillar. But uh, <clears throat> but the pillars is what makes it so uh, sitting in the upper deck at Wrigley pretty cool because a lot of stadiums, they don't have those pillars because they don't want any obstructed view. So right. it, it keeps going back further and further with the bigger stadium. So I kind of dig the pillar. Um, you know, I might mess up with some of your sight line a little bit if you're up there in the upper deck or in the back part of the 200 level. But no, it definitely goes Wrigley number one, AT&T Park is supposed to go two, um, or Dodger Stadium two, the Yankee Stadium three, because there's just history there. They did they, It looked the same as before, so they did a really good job of doing that, keeping that <laughs> part of the history of Yankee Stadium. Yeah, so I would say so far I think that we can convince people summer's coming up. You want to be at the ballpark. Have somebody explain to you what's going on. Now, we got to take it next level. Just real quick, let's do it as brief as we can. How do you know if someone is good at baseball based on their stats? This is the part that probably generationally you lose people. And if you look at those numbers, that has to scare the living fuck out of a new fan to be like, I don't know what's going on with this. I don't want to ask any questions because this looks like gobbledygook on a page. So what should people look for? Uh, I think you got to ease them into the water. So if I were to, for a brand new fan, if they go, I want to look at one number when the guy steps to the play, or if you're at the stadium and they show the stats on the scoreboard and they all have this stat. Now I would just tell them, look at on base percentage. On base that's, percentage. The, that's, that's the introductory one because from there you could go to OPS, you could go to OPS plus, then you could bring in like, you know, weighted at Woba, which I know is one of your favorite ones, weighted on uh-huh. base average, which I yeah. like that one a lot too, because it's cool because yeah, a home run is worth more than a single, but in batting average, they're weighted the same. So, uh, you know, I like that. Um, it's like in football, a 30 yard pass is a lot better than a five yard pass, but a completion still a completion. So you got to look beyond that, you know? Um, right. But I would go down base percentage because it show usually someone with a high on base percentage has good plate awareness. So the other stats will kind of fall in line. Um, if I were just say slugging, we know players who have a high slugging, but a shitty on base, Javier Baez, like slug 550, yeah. but his on base was 325. 
So I would tell them to look for on base, you know, um, anything 350 or above, I'd say is a really good number to look at. Yeah. Um, if you have a, if you have a 400 on base, if you get on base 40% of the time that you're up either by a walk or a hit or you reach base 40% of the time, you're a superstar. Yes, you are a superstar for sure. And I would also just, I would equate it. The easiest way to break it down is this. Cause some people go, what about batting average? That's actually getting hits. I think the average fan goes back to like little league going, Oh, the crappy kids walk because they were afraid to swing. Right. The movie Moneyball kind of helped usher that in a little bit where it's like, no, nah, this is actually a skill because these are major league pitchers and they're really good at putting the ball where they want to. So if you could work the count and grind them out, that's a benefit. You know, I would say it this way, a high on base percentage means you don't make outs. Yep. yep. You want a team full of people who don't make outs. You only That's get simple. three an inning. Yeah, and outs are the commodity. There's no shot clock. There's no game clock. So outs are what's precious. Yeah. You know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to waste time in the other sports. But in this game, you don't want to waste outs. If your team makes no outs, you score an infinite number of runs. Yeah, that's that's Boner City, you know. <laughs> and for for the female <laughs> listeners, that's 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 it's a lake downstairs. You know what I mean. <laughs> It's the it's Lake Michigan and on the windy city down there. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, what about pitching? Uh, the pitching stat. Uh, I know we, you and I, go back and forth on it personally, but I would definitely just point to ERA. Yeah. Because uh, you know there's strikeout guys who could walk a lot, and you know you want me to give one stat. So I think one stat I'd give is ERA because as much as we know, FIP paints a better picture of what really happened. Um, ERA is what happened. Yes. Yeah, ERA's I mean, earned earned run average. How many runs a game do you give up? Yeah, if you pitch nine innings, which is very rare these days, uh, and you give up two runs, you have a two ERA. So right. anything above three is like elite. Um, if you're in the threes, you can anything, be considered pretty good. Anything below be average. Three. Anything, anything below three. What did I say? In the threes, I'm not anything below three. You're you, right. You said, bo- you, said, you said above. It goes opposite. It goes the opposite of uh, – average and home runs and stuff like that yeah the lower the hit, number the lower the number the better yes you want to give up very few runs yes okay and here's what i would say and i know that no one asked my opinion but the reason that multiple stats exist is because it just shows you different things and some of them are stupid but like i think like a win giving a pitcher a win is kind of stupid but if someone's like, this dude won 20 games last year, he's probably really good. Yeah, because that means he's stuck around long enough in those games to be, get the win. Because in baseball, you have to pitch at least five innings to qualify for the win. They, you know, you can't pitch the first two innings and then leave and your team wins. You know, they come back and win and you get the win. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, yeah, there, there are these stats that we now know because people dug a little deeper where we're like, well, that wasn't really on you. You know, that was, you're a product of that. You, you could be a pitcher. You could be the 10th best pitcher in the league and lead the league in wins. You could be the 20th best pitcher in the league and lead the league in wins. Now look, the 20th best pitcher still is, still a, is still really good. Like John Lester, I think was tied for the league lead in the national league in wins. I think he won like 18 games last year. So I think that tied him. Was he a top 10 pitcher last year? No, no. no. You could argue he might not have been top 20. Top 25, I'd say he was. He's obviously very good. Um, but, yes, if you have a lot of wins, you're typically very good. It's just not – the stat doesn't tell the whole story. 
I think that if you're top 30, I kind of like that because you could be the ace of at least one team. That's a good – oh, I like that a lot, actually. Damn, that's good. There's 30 teams. I mean, being the ace of the Marlins, I'm pretty sure that you could go down there and be the ace of the Marlins. But uh, but you are the ace – you are the best pitcher on at least one team. I don't know. No, that's, that's a good way to break it down. I like that. You ready for your speed round? Because we've done an hour. Okay, let's do the speed round. Okay. Best baseball card that you ever had? I had uh, I had this Mark McGuire insert card from the 98 season that was at the time valued at like 150. It was it was some insert limited series tops like chrome, I want to say, and then it went through the washing machine. <laughs> yeah, I was really pissed about that. That was a rough one to get over. Uh, but since then, I've got an Anthony Rizzo signed card. That's my new uh, keepsake. Player that you would most like to have a beer with that is all time, doesn't have to be current. All time doesn't have to be current. Um, you know what? I got to go. This is going to make me sound like some sort of panderer, but I think I'm going to go. Um, see, Andre Dawson sounds great. But that I don't want to pick anyone that could act, that's realistic. That that might happen one day. I think I'm not too far away from that. You know. <laughs> okay. I've I had like a beer that. with Kerry Wood before, so I'm not going to pick him. I've had a beer with Anthony Rizzo. I'm not going to pick him, Dempster. Um, I'm going to go with uh, you don't want to go with Hank Aaron. I'm Hank gonna Aaron. Jackie Robinson. I'm going to go Hank Aaron. Okay. Because I just I would... feel like, dude, that guy must have. First of all, he was unbelievable as a hitter, and he was in an era in which he faced incredible, like the '60s National League pitchers. Holy shit. Yeah. And um. And I and just the the struggle of coming like beating that record as a black guy like that I want to I want to hear the I want to in the south record. yeah I want to get that perspective you know I'll be in the booth next to you talking to Willie Mays oh Willie Mays is a good one too yeah see yeah damn I was, all right you win the speed round I got I got <laughs> next one no 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 Hank Aaron is fantastic okay you just made me uh, wish I ordered a different meal at a restaurant that's what you just made me do. <laughs> All right. I'll have what I'll have what he's having. Mm. Okay, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna piss you off. Who's gonna win the NL Central this year? Chicago Cubs. Chicago Cubs. How many teams from the Central are gonna make the wild card? Uh, I think three. Three? You're going Cardinals, Bre- Brewers? No, no. I take it back. I take it back. No, Brewers aren't making it. The Cardinals are making it. I don't think okay. the Brewers are going to make it. The Brewers are going to be a doubt for Brewers fans. Who's, Sorry. Who's the, I got who's some injuries, the, and they got another good rotation. Who's, who's winning the NL East? The NL East will be won by the um, Washington Nationals. Who, surprise, surprise. Who's your wild card? My wild card is the Philadelphia Phillies. And Phillies? The, yeah. See? Yeah, I like the Braves, too. Who you got Shit, in the West? Fuck the Cardinals. The Brave, Braves and Phillies are your wild cards. And the West, I have the Dodgers. Okay. I had – I put out the – The Padres are going to have a good – the Padres are going to be fun, but they're not going to be over 500. That's hard to be fun. <laughs> I mean, they're going to win. They're going to be like the most fun. They'll be 80 and 82, but they'll they'll show signs of, okay, okay, this is – yeah, we're going somewhere. <laughs> Fernando Tatis is going to be, you know, maybe – I think he might be rookie of the year. Uh, and the NL, that'd be a safe pick. And Machado's going to Machado. And um, I think they're going to be like one of those teams where you're like, all right, you know, that was, you know, they were like around 500 most of the year. And if one or two things would have fallen right, it would have been there. But they have some San Diego fans. Will... They have some young pitching that I like. Yeah, that's what the thing is. So I just, when I make my projections, I, 
I'm more confident in saying this team's going to win. And you might say, but that's a bunch of young hitters. I don't know why. I'm more confident projecting young hitters than I am projecting young pitchers. Okay. AL East and how many wild cards? <sighs> One wild card. The Red Sox will win the division. Yankees will take the wild card. Or no, I'm going to flip it. Yankees are going to take the division. Boston will take the wild card. Boston's going to have a little World Series hangover. Mookie Betts is going to be like, I want my extension. And that'll get them a slow out of the gate. But they're going to win the wild card. Yankees will win the division. How do you feel about Sports Illustrated taking the Twins in the Central? I mean, you know, you you and I kind of like the Twins going into last year, although they were incredibly disappointing. What they won seventy nine games, I think, or seventy eight. They games. won the wild card the year before and lost to the Yankees, yeah. and I liked them. But it took it was like a lot of like of if Barrios and if Buxton and if Sano and like if 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 then they fucking sucked because that division and that division is terrible. Like I have a hard time not taking Cleveland there, but. Uh, no, I'm still taking Cleveland in the Central. I mean, Rocco Baldelli is going to be interesting. He's their manager now, right? For Cleveland? So, no, for um, the Twins. Isn't he the Twins' oh, manager? right. Or did I mess that no, up? No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah, out. Milder, they give a front office job to. That's the problem when you hire a former hero is the day you realize they're not that good. Yep. That's why Theo Epstein was smart. Sandberg. interviewed Ryan Sandberg, and he was just like, this isn't going to work out. And then he brought him back as an ambassador. Where it's like, you just don't want to do it. That's why people are like, I can't believe Mike Trout signed with the Angels. I thought he'd want to go play for Philly. No, he's from Philly. He knows how those fucking fans are. He's going to get booed in his hometown. Yeah. Plays his whole career in the Angels. He, when he's retired, he could go back and he could be in the Phillies booth if he wanted to. He's such a hero in that town. Yeah. Why go and fuck that up, you know? All right, next question. I'm liking this. I'm, I'm All right, West, AL West. West, I didn't, I didn't say the West. AL West, man, I'm such an Oakland fan, but... um yeah, you know what? I feel like I'm doing this. This is I think I got the same five teams as last year. I'm going to go Houston. No, you know what? I'm changing it up. I'm going to go Houston, and the Angels are going to make the playoffs. Oh, my goodness. So we have – just to re- – just- Angels will win the wild card. Dude, I have the exact same picks as you, except for I took St. Louis, Philadelphia in as, as wild cards. Oh, okay. Isn't that what I did? Who, well, who's your division winner in the East? I took the Nationals. So did I. I think we have the same picks, man. We have the exact same picks? Okay. So this is – I said I almost I, – I, when we were talking about it, I go, I almost wanted to do I think you said fuck, both wild I thought you cards. said fuck the Cardinals. I said I almost. Okay. I said I almost want to. I said I almost want to say fuck the Cardinals and have Atlanta and Philly as the. Okay, wild here's teams. where we will because I'm. But I'm not going to do I'm that. I'm calling this season Trout Quest 2019. <laughs> I love that. Me and you are big <laughs> Trout homers. We want to do a thing where we want to, you know, make Trout famous. As baseball fans, we you have to want the Angels to go to the playoffs. You have to. Yeah, I like what they did with their pitching. They took a, they did a couple solid one year signings on guys who I think will have nice seasons. Matt Harvey to round out. Yeah, Matt, no, Matt Harvey is, still has good stuff, and even though he get you know things went south with the, with the Mets. He pitched pretty solid for Cincinnati the last two months. All right, I, I and isn't that I, a pitcher-friendly ballpark? Sure, I, I don't. I don't know. I do. I I remember. Maybe I'm wrong. If, it's been a while since I've looked at if, the stats. Uh, like, if Simmons is your shortstop and Trout is your center fielder, then yes. Yeah, I think he could be aided a little bit there. I mean, obviously they're stuck with pool holes, but um, he looks, oh, Shohei oh. Shohei Otani. There you go. Um, Look at you. Look how far you've I come. Said it right. You've come so far. I used to, 
I used to butcher that so badly. Okay, so uh, but yeah, here's where gonna, here, here's where we will differ. Let's go National League MVP. I'm gonna go. I'm going Chris Bryant. I think he's on the fuck you quest we too. We still have not differed here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Cy Young. I think we'll differ here. Okay, here's where we'll differ. Cy Young NL. I am going to pick. Um, uh, let's go. I'm going to go Nola. D, are silly. you fucking serious? There's a blog. You can look. I posted it on my thing. I already picked him. So we did we you really? I like the thing, but I, I saw it late last night. So I didn't okay. read it. Yet. I saw it late last All night. Right. Though. Uh, no, I read the first paragraph about the Cubs, I f- about how you're not buying the projection. I read that part, but I was too tired. To read I the whole feel thing. like I need to tell you mine first. So I'm going Victor Robles. Yeah, do Victor story. Robles is my rookie of the year. National League. Okay. My, well, I already said Tatis. So <laughs> okay. Remember earlier? I, said I just Tatis, didn't want to so have there's our first difference. Exact same shit. Okay, so MVP American League. I'm going Trout. I'm, I'm going to go Chris Sale, Cy Young. He's never won it. And I'm going to go Vlad Jr. Uh, for Rookie of the Year. Well, I definitely have Vlad Jr. for Rookie of the Year as well. I think uh, a lot of people are pretty pumped up about him. I mean, who knows? Maybe Eloy Jimenez will be the guy, but I think Vlad has more overall value. Yeah. Um, Eloy Jimenez to me just looks like a slugger, so I don't really see him winning awards per se unless he has one of those just monster 50 home run years where it just can't be denied. Uh, so I definitely have Vlad as a rookie of the year as well. Um, uh, Cy Young. Oh man. I was looking at the other day at a few of the guys I like, but I'm going to go with um, Trevor Bauer. Nice. Uh, and then uh, for MVP, I'm not going to go trout. Although you could always go trout, but that's, you know, <clears throat> that's why you can't, I just want to make it different. Um, MVP this year, I will go. Fuck it. I'm going to go Aaron Judge. Nice. Okay. That was. So we're calling this year Trout Quest. Joe, where can people find you that you did well in the speed round? Where can people find you? Thank you. I'm on Twitter at Joe Kilgallen. Instagram, I'm really killing it on Instagram. Twitter, I'm okay. I'll be honest with you. At Joe Kilgallen as well. It's Kilgallen, K I L Gallen. And then um, I've got a podcast called Kilgallen's Pub, and you're also kind of listening to our baseball podcast <laughs> talking baseball yes so there you go and get his album he has one called pay attention he's got another one out. yes and my soon. other one coming out this spring it'll probably be out sometime in may so if you follow me you'll see that it'll be on audio form and i'll also have uh, i filmed it so you'll see video form of it as well out there most likely just on youtube and clip form nice joe thank you for yeah, thank, thank you for go that style thank you for doing hunk with mike bridenstine Thank you. It's been a pleasure being on Hunk with Mike Bryanstein. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to me in <laughs> <and> Baseball. <laughs> All right. I'll t- All right. Talk to you later, right. Bye.